Hey guys, TLC here with my very first episode. Today we're going to cover the topic of abortion, and since my mic is working properly today, it's not going to sound like we're talking out of a Nissan Altima. First thing I'd like to mention is that the, for this abortion argument is that there is a difference between being anti-abortion and pro-life. It's like that thing they taught you in third grade with the squares and the rectangles. All squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. All pro-lifers are anti-abortion, not all anti-abortionists are pro-life. I used to be just simply anti-abortion. I used to really, really, really hate anybody who was even vaguely associated with abortion, regardless of the circumstances. But since then, I've realized that, you know, all the people who get abortions, and even all of the abortion doctors, aren't just these soulless, demonic freaks from the depths of hell. And treating them like that won't do anything except harm them. The position that I should have been taking all of this time, since I've been wanting to save lives, is the pro-life position, which makes sense. Even Jesus, you know, like, God himself, who is perfect, didn't come to condemn people. Instead, he said to be merciful. And don't worry, secular peeps, even though I do have a great brotherly love for Jesus... I can and will defend the pro-life position without using religion. So no more religious talk for the rest of this. Anyway, back to the premise of being pro-life. The pro-life position is that nobody, under any circumstance except for self-defense, should take the life of another person. And all people should help each other through life, so that we can all get through it together, you know, really like, you know, kumbaya around the campfire type thing. We're also against assisted suicide, euthanasia, death penalty, all of that fun stuff. Which is why we set up pregnancy centers, and those kind of places all around the country. One of the biggest arguments that pro-choicers use is that if parents can't take care of the baby, then they should get an abortion because the baby will ruin their life, or that the baby won't be able to be taken care of, and then therefore the baby will have a horrible life as well. But if people actually utilize the pregnancy centers, it would be a lot easier to get that support that they need, because that's the reason they're there. They offer free services, and they offer you know free materials like diapers, bottles, food, even some places will offer strollers and baby seats for the cars. On top of this, I feel like as a movement, we should really be focusing on foster care a lot more and the whole adoption issue, because as pretty much everybody knows, foster care is a pretty screwed up system. Like, it's not great. We should definitely fix it. It's not really as bad off as a lot of people will tell you, but it is still very bad off, and it should not cost like $6,000 to adopt a child. If we can fix the adoption system, one of those big, really, really big pro-choice points of, yeah, the baby isn't wanted, so it's going to have a terrible life, because in reality, the baby really is wanted. There are over 2 million people waiting to adopt. The reason we hear all the stories about the foster care things where it's like, oh yeah, nobody wants to adopt kids, nobody's adopting foster care, foster care systems are overrun, is because the foster care systems are overrun with teens. They're not overrun with babies and newborn babies. Couples usually don't want to adopt a 15-year-old delinquent that was picked up off the street because they were going to be arrested for carjacking. 
Not to say that these people don't deserve a family, too. I'm just saying most families are less willing to adopt that kid over a newborn baby. Really, there's no such thing as an unwanted child. Even though there are unwanted pregnancies, or you could even argue that a pregnancy could be kind of unplanned. But really, except in cases of rape, there is no such thing as a forced pregnancy. And really, there isn't that really a thing of an unplanned pregnancy. While you can use contraceptives, the point of sex is to have a kid. Like, that's the biological use of sex. So, technically, the point is that when you get pregnant, even when you're using contraceptives, it's because something is working. Not a lot because something is not working. So it's more likely to work than to not work because it's the point. It, it's its function. Even with contraceptives, you really shouldn't go into having sex without thinking, oh, dang, I might get pregnant. Like, that's kind of how it works. I mean, unless you're a guy, then you can't get pregnant. But since if you're a woman and you're going to have sex with a guy... You have to realize that there is a chance you're going to become pregnant. And even though the chance is slightly lower when you use contraceptives and condoms, it's, like, not that much lower, per se. Like, it's lower, but condoms don't always work. They're not perfect. And then the forced pregnancy is really the thing that gets me. It's like, why? What do you mean forced pregnancy? Because if you're saying literally a forced pregnancy, in the only cases that would be rape, rapes only account, well, rape and incest together, only account for 1.5% of all abortions. And this is a statistic from the Guttmacher Institute. So let's be honest, it's probably actually lower. Nobody's saying rape isn't a horrible crime. I'm just saying, if you weren't raped, then the pregnancy was not forced because you consented to having sex, and therefore you consented to the chance of having a pregnancy. Women are being out are out here getting magically struck by lightning, and then boom, they're pregnant. Like that's it's not that's not how it works. All of this is why having sex before marriage is a bad idea. Sex releases a chemical in your brain called oxytocin, which makes you more attached emotionally to the person that you're having sex with. And then if you break up, it's going to be bad for you emotionally. It's not going to be fun because you've become attached to that person and now you're not together anymore and it's going to cause issues like depression and suicidal tendencies and all of the other things plaguing our society on top of abortion, because mental health is one of the other biggest problems, but we'll get to that in a different episode. So if I don't want to deal with a child yet, which is fair, because kids are kind of annoying to deal with, even though I do love kids, I babysit, it's a fun hobby, kids are cooler than adults most of the time, I'm a kid myself, and I'm going to stay very kid-like even when I'm an adult in a few years, I'm getting old, anyway kids are great but raising a child is a very difficult process 
and it takes a lot of responsibility and it takes a lot out of a person and out of a couple. They have to be very strong to be able to raise the child together or a single mother or single father has to be very, very strong to raise those children well by themselves. If that's not a responsibility, I don't feel I'm not ready to take on yet or if that's a responsibility I don't want to take on yet, I should not be having sex because that leads to that. And if I don't want thing X to happen, I should not be doing things that lead to thing X. It's like saying I don't want to fall to my death, but then walking off the Grand Canyon. It doesn't really make sense. If you don't want something to happen, don't do the things that lead to that thing happening. Very simple. And that brings us now to the case of, well, TLC, what if it was a forced pregnancy and the girl was raped. Well, in that case, if you want to punish somebody for rape, then punish the rapist, not the child that was the result of the rape. If somebody robs a bank and then they go buy a house, do you go blow up the house or do you catch the robber and put them in jail? You obviously just catch the robber and put them in jail. You leave the house alone because the house didn't do anything. It was just a product of the crime. And it was brought into existence by the criminal, but it was still just a product of a crime. The house is innocent. And in this case, the house isn't even alive. It's a house. So why are we being better to the house than we are to the baby? Who is another human and is alive? That literally makes no sense. That's pretty much my argument against uh, uh, abortion in cases of rape summed up into one little analogy. Though, even on top of this, you have to remember that even though the child is the child of the rapist, he's also the child of the woman, he or she is the child of the woman who was raped as well. Like, the child does not only belong to the rapist. A child is to both his mother and his father. So, even if his father was a terrible person, he still has his mother. And the best part of the no abortion for in cases of rape argument is that every person who says that we should have abortion legal in cases of rape says that it's because they don't want an innocent person being harmed, which is fair. You don't want the woman to have to go through the trauma of raising the child of her rapist, which is a fair statement. However, if your point is that you don't want an innocent to be harmed, why are you then asking to kill an innocent as your solution to the problem? That seems really hypocritical. And then you're going to say, but TLC is not really alive. It's a baby. It's a, the baby is not really alive. The baby is alive. It's simple embryology. You can look it up. And simple biology as well. Basically, the point is that life is determined scientifically by the seven characteristics of life, which are growth and development, reproductive capabilities, heredity of traits, homeostasis, which is stable inner conditions, metabolism, cellular structure and composition, 
and response to the environment and stimuli. All of these things are existent in babies in the womb, which means, scientifically speaking, they're alive. And in terms of DNA, the child has its own particular unique DNA, similar to how everybody has their own fingerprint, since the child has its own fingerprint once its fingers are fully developed. But it already has its own DNA structure from the moment that the sperm and the egg meet, because that's how mammalian reproduction works. That's just biology, people. You learn this in high school. You also learn this in middle school. Nowadays, everybody just makes sex jokes in middle school bio classes, but you did learn this in middle school. Sperm and egg meet. You get zygote. A zygote is its own unique DNA structure, a single cell, and it is comprised of DNA from both the mother and the father, but has taken it, mushed it together, and made it into something completely new. It's like with Play-Doh, when you take some of one thing and you take some of the other thing and you put it together and now you have a new thing and then the Play-Doh colors are mixed together and you can never separate them again. Have fun with that. You just wasted 15 bucks on Play-Doh. Anyway, that's the idea we have here. The child is indistinguishable DNA-wise from its mother and father. It's not the same, but they have segments of both. There are similarities, but they're not the same as either one of them. It's still unique, just comprised of both. And while it may seem strange to think of a single-celled organism as a human being, or even as alive, just think about what would happen if they found, like, just a single-celled organism on Mars, even just the tiniest amoeba. There would be this crazy uproar, all of the headlines, life found on Mars. So why is it different when it's on Earth? Even though there probably aren't humans on Mars, a single-celled organism can still be alive, and if that single-celled organism is made up of human DNA, then that single-celled organism is a human. Very simple. And even though the thing going around now is that minorities, like, need abortions, all minorities support abortion, that's really not true. In fact, for Latinos, since I am the TLC, Teenage Latino Conservative, only half of Latinos actually support abortion. One-fourth of them are against it in all cases. They're like, no abortion whatsoever, none of it, nope. And then 50% support it. But when I say support it, that doesn't necessarily mean that all of them are like the crazy people going around saying, abortion on demand, without apology, no restrictions, if you get pregnant, as soon as the baby's popping out, just snap its neck, like, no, no, not all of them are like that, most people are pretty moderate on the scale of abortion, they're like, yeah, you should cut it off just sometime, oh, I wouldn't have one, but if a woman needs one, she should be allowed to get it, Oh, well, you know, at third trimester, second trimester, that's the issue, though. None of the arguments really hold up. And that's because most people who hear about this topic aren't thinking of it on the scale of 
some kind of like you know big issue and that's because it's become this political flame issue where if you dare to support abortion restrictions you're an evil republican misogynist and i'm like what it doesn't like has nothing to do with that it's become such a politically charged issue especially in america but i mean to be fair in america everything everything is a politically charged issue but over the entire world, too. And it's not a politics issue. It's a moral issue. Even though this is a political podcast, which I'm talking about it, it just happens to be an issue I feel incredibly strongly about. But it's not a political issue. It's an issue of morality. It's an issue of do you think a a human, every human, deserves life no matter what? Because once you start saying, but... I don't mean but like Pyro from Xenoblade Chronicles. I mean you say, well, it's a human, but we should be allowed to kill it. Well, it's a human, but we should be allowed to abort. Well, it's human, but she should get an abortion if it's disabled. All of these things, all of these but scenarios, all of these well, maybe, sorta, kinda, this is when we start to get into dangerous territory, and, like, it's actually seriously dangerous, Yoko's side. Like, we're starting to have this kind of culture where we think we can apply humanity to someone based on this. And it's an issue that's just going on everywhere. But we have to realize, as a culture, as a species, just as people, that every person is a person and every person is valuable i don't care your religion i don't care your gender i don't care about what you are at all as if you're a human you are valuable if you're alive you're valuable i mean even in death people are valuable but i'm just saying like a dead body is a dead body and should be treated with respect but a non-living thing like a rock should is it's a rock i mean okay cool but people and all living things have intrinsic value and that's a big buzzword now in the intrinsic value value of life it's also associated very religiously which is not a bad thing but it tends to be a turnoff for people who are like oh this is just a religious thing rosaries off my ovaries ah it's not it's not about that The point is that it's just saying that every person has intrinsic value. Every person is born with the value that they are a human being and they deserve to live. They should not be killed. Nobody has the right to take a life. No matter what your situation is, you do not have the right to take a life unless it is in self-defense. But you do not have the right to take an innocent life. That's the point. Why do you think every single hero never kills anybody? There's always the situation where it's like the hero finally gets the villain down. The villain's like, ha-ha, now you have to kill me. And then the hero's like, no, I won't kill you because I'm a good guy. And the like, no, if only you had killed me, then you would have been bad like I am. Ah, then that's, that's the point. That's where this co- that thing comes from. Killing people is bad. Like, it's just, it's a moral evil because it's against the laws of nature. 
We have one life. We shouldn't spend our lives taking other people's lives. And you want to know the funniest part? Lots of people actually agree with this, including Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, who defines child as an unborn or recently born person. Yes, you heard that right. Unborn or recently born person. Not only does the dictionary agree with me, but so do 96% of scientists. And over 60% of those scientists identified as liberal and pro-choice. Which is ironic, but it turns out that even they agree that babies in the womb are alive. Though I guess that is kind of also bad since they're if they're pro-choice but admitting that the baby is alive because they're saying that the baby is alive in the womb, but people should still be able to kill it if they want to, if the situation arises, which is more messed up than if they didn't know or were just tricked. But anyway, most of these people who are the higher-ups or a lot of abortion doctors as well do realize what they're doing. Though not all realize what they're doing. There are many abortion doctors like Dr. Anthony Leventino who have had a, this awakening of sorts where they realize what they're doing is wrong. Good old Mary Webster comes to raid again to cover the last argument we'll be talking about today. The argument that the baby is only a part of the woman's body and therefore falls under her bodily autonomy. Now, for anyone who hasn't heard bodily autonomy because they live under a rock in the middle of the Alaskan Sea, that's the concept that people should be allowed to do with their bodies whatever they'd like, which personally I agree with, which is why I'm against vaccine mandates, because they're saying you have to put something in your body that you may not want in your body, which I think is, you know, something we shouldn't force people to do. Then you're going to say, well, TLC, why are you against abortion? And that's really hypocritical. Then I'd say back to you, well, the baby is not part of the woman's body because DNA has to be shared across body parts for it to be counted as another body part. And besides the Merriam-Webster definition, also adds that an organ must perform some specific function in the organism. The baby does not perform a function, per se, besides growing, which is not a function that aids the body in some form. It's just growing in there so that it can come out. And the ba either way, the baby has its own DNA, as we've pointed out before. Therefore, the baby is not a body part of the woman. This is all supported by embryology, the study of embryos and human fetuses. And again, it is widely agreed upon, even from scientists at Princeton University, which is not at all a conservative college. I mean, like, the only other thing I'd really have to say on this is for anyone who has ever been to a baby shower or seen a pregnant woman... Like, what do you do? Because some of these people, I like, not all pro-choicers, obviously. Though, some of them, that are, like, the really, really crazy ones. Like, the really militant ones. And when I say crazy, I don't mean, like, that they're mentally insane. Because, even though some of them might be. Like, there are people on the other side of this that are just as mentally insane. So, like, I'm not being 
like, oh, I'm just mean to the other side. Nah, there they are crazy pro-lifers too. There are the good crazy pro-lifers, and there are the like the crazy and super anti-abortion militant Protestants, like the Grim Reaper people. Those are they're nutty. I mean, they, I'm sure they mean well. I'm sure every most people in this whole thing mean well, but yeah, there are crazy people on both sides of this. Anyway, what I'd like to ask is that what do you say to this pregnant woman you see at maybe a baby shower or even just passing by? Do you ask, how is that non-living amorphous clump of cells, or do you ask, how's the baby? When we see a woman that is pregnant, do we say that the woman is with child, or do we say that she is with amorphous non-living clump of cells? It's like Even in our everyday language, people deep down know and understand that even inside the womb, that baby is a living human being with the same value as any other child outside the womb and with the same value as any other human being. It has been a fun ride, and we have gotten to the end of the TLC abortion rant. Congratulations, you are still alive, I hope. Anyway, this is the final point I wanted to bring up. As I've said before, most pro-choicers are not bad people. They're just simply misguided because of information that may have been slightly skewed when it was given to them. Now, after the Dobbs decision and the overturn of Roe v. Wade, which some people viewed as the next 9-11 for some reason, the really, like, root of a lot of this abortion stuff and why it's so, you know, politically charged and why the government seems to favor it a lot. There is a lot of trickery and kind of creepy things going on with abortion. So, the Dobbs decision example is that right after the Dobbs decision, companies like Amazon and Starbucks started offering abortions to their employees. Now, to pro-choicers, this may seem like a valiant fight, blow in the fight for women's rights, being glorious saviors of, against the evil patriarchy that wants to force them into the handmaid's tale. And, I mean, if you want to see it like that, good for you. But it's not exactly like that. It's a little bit more sinister. Think about it from an objective standpoint. For the company, what costs less money? For them to just pay it at most a thousand bucks, or around that number, for the woman to have an abortion, even if it has to be out of state... Or for them to let their employee have the child, go on maternity leave, stop generating funds for the company, give her her pay for even though she's not generating funds anymore because nowadays maternity leave is paid. After she comes back from maternity leave, she'll start working fewer hours, most likely to take care of the child, or even leave her job completely. And if she decides to stay, they're going to have to add extra insurance payout for the child. 
obviously all of these CEOs know that it's actually a lot more expensive for them to allow the woman to have the kid. So, they offer to pay for the abortion. Think about it. It makes sense if you're a heartless, soulless creep who only cares about money and doesn't mind that they're tricking women into killing their own children just so they can be corporate slaves. But that makes me sound like a conspiracy theorist, doesn't it? If you're offering your employees abortions, you do not actually care about them. These CEOs just realized that if they could keep 50% of their workforce working more instead of allowing them to leave and actually live a meaningful life, because I'm sorry, ladies, and men too, your 9 to 5 desk job or working as a barista in Starbucks for the rest of your life is not going to give your life any meaning. That sounds harsh, but it's the truth. Pretty much very few jobs can give your life actual meaning. What gives your life meaning is family, friends, and, most importantly, children. Your own children, specifically. Like, having children is one of the best things that you can do for not only yourself, but for the rest of human society as a whole. Because if you raise good, strong children, they will become the leaders of the next generation. And that's what you want, isn't it? Like, I mean, if you don't want to be a leader yourself, then wouldn't you want your child to be as successful as possible? Wouldn't you want your name and your legacy to be remembered and held on to forever? Like, isn't that what gives life meaning? Like, even, like, forget the whole legacy thing. The love of your children, that strength and power they have toward you. Like, I know I'm kind of dropping off the scientific thing and going back into the emotional and religious-ish aspect, which I promised I wouldn't do, so sorry about that, but... They're, like, that's something different. That's something special. That's something you can't get out of a job. And that's something that a lot of women would prefer to having a job. And a lot of men, I think, would too. Personally, I would prefer that to having a job. If when I grow older, I do still plan to work and have a job to support my family. But if I had the choice, I think I would prefer to be at home. If it was available to me, if I didn't have to work... I think I would prefer to be with kids if I have them. And this isn't even the only example of some kind of exploitative lie that is being told. For example, very recently, someone running for governor in Georgia, Stacey Abrams, is claiming that there is no heartbeat at six weeks for a fetus, and that the heartbeat is actually a manufactured sound created by the ultrasound machine. Like, seriously, people? Come on. That... She's just outright lying now. And how funny that Planned Parenthood just happened to change their website a week before Stacey Abrams made these comments. This thing is a lot darker than a lot of people want to think. And it's a lot more icky in the old political corruption than people want to think as well. But I mean, that's why we're here, isn't it? That's the point of teens. Teenagers and the newer generations are here to expose the corruption and lies of the old generation. Not to say all old people are bad. That's why teens have this rebellious fervor 
Our purpose is to fight corruption, unmask it, and find the real truth for ourselves. So don't just take my word for it. Check it out yourself. Do the research. See how these measures and the things that pro-choicers tend to advocate for don't only hurt women, but they also hurt families. They hurt minorities. They hurt our cultures. And by extension, they hurt everyone. This is not just an America issue. This is an issue across the entire planet. Every huge, terrible event that has happened in our history, the Holocaust, slavery, segregation, all of these have happened because a specific group of people has been marked as subhuman. They're not really people. They're less than human. They're not the same as us. They're not like us. They're not really human. That same kind of logic is what's used to push abortion. So if we can't, as a society and as a species, agree that every human is valuable just because they are human, everybody has value for existing, then we're going to fall back into something like that, where one group is marked and said that this, these people, they're worth less than the rest of us. They're not worth as much as us. If you want to fight against things like racism and discrimination, then this is the fight you want to be a part of. You want to be a pro-lifer. You want to say that everybody deserves life. Nobody should be killed or harmed or treated differently because in the end, we're all human. And guys, it's really that simple. Well, anyway, I hope you enjoyed my abortion rant. Abortion and being pro-life is one of my favorite topics to debate about and defend. So you're definitely going to hear a lot more about this since we are also living in a time when this is a very, very center-of-the-table issue. So it's definitely going to come up again. You can be sure of that. If you are already pro-life, I hope you found my defense to be acceptable. If there was anything you can you uh, wanted me to add, anything else you want me to talk about, you can contact me at weneedtlc at gmail.com. That's a lowercase, weneedtlc at gmail.com. And if you're pro-choice, well, I don't know why you're watching this if you're pro-choice, but if you are pro-choice, I hope you I was able to change your mind even just a little bit. Either way, I hope that everybody enjoyed the podcast. Thank you all so very much. This first episode has been awesome, and I will see all you guys next time. TLC, out.